So I hope you'll pray for me this afternoon and uh, the time we have together and uh, that the Lord would continue to bless us. We have been talking quite a bit over extended period of time talking about uh, the subject uh, that, uh, that, that I've taken as a subject, I guess you'd call it, but a little phrase that we find in the scriptures called take heed. Uh, and, the, and the many things that then we've looked at that says there's some things we ought to take heed to. And uh, so um, I'll not go back over all of that this, uh, this afternoon. And uh, we'll move, uh, move right on into hopefully some scripture uh, that would talk about that. But what we've been looking at for the last few weeks is looking at some things that Jesus himself began to talk about uh, in, his, in, uh, in the New Testament scriptures in Matthew uh, and then, uh, and now I guess this morning we've also maybe taken a look at a few scriptures in the uh, in the book of Luke, uh, Mark, and Luke. Uh, but if we think about, I guess I will, I guess I will rehash to one point here. If we think about to the fact that as we started some of this uh, in the book of Hebrews, where he talked about the fact that uh, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest at any time we let them slip. And then uh, we think over then to 1 Timothy chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul writes to the young preacher Timothy and says, Take heed to thyself and to the doctrine, uh, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So uh, last week, I think it was, we touched on a portion of Scripture that mentions in the book of Mark uh, after, the, after we go through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, not Sermon on the Mount, uh, after we go through the parable of the sower and the seed there in the uh, fourth chapter of the book of Mark, uh, the the uh, Jesus also makes mention to them, take heed to what you hear. So uh, if we're thinking about taking heed, give the more earnest heed to the things you've heard so that you don't let them slip. And I think as we started this back several weeks ago, that was kind of like an, an overarching theme to, the, to what we were trying to talk about is the fact that we need to be... We need to be thinking about the things that we hear preached from the Word of God. Uh, and, it, you know, this... I didn't even plan on diving down this trail. But if we think about all the things that we talk about uh, and all the things that we think about, we spend a lot of time... You know, I'll, you know I'm guilty, okay, so I'm not pointing the finger at anybody other than me. And if y'all are like me, then you fit into some of this somewhere along the way. But, yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about the weather. Uh, and I spend a lot of time thinking about the news, and I'm thinking about uh, uh, you know whatever you know what's going on uh, in various things, various situations. If I spent that much time thinking about what I heard Sunday at church preached, not all the little talking we had is going around while we're vi- visiting here at church, but if I actually stopped and thought about. The things that I heard preached about, whether it's Matthew chapter 24 or whether it's some things about taking heed, then then that, that scripture that we've been talking about from Hebrews 2 and 1 where he says, give the more earnest heed to the things that you've heard lest at any time you let them slip, it, it might... It might, they might not slip away from us quite so much. And then, uh, so, so Mark chapter 4 then, after he goes through the parable of the sower and the seed, and the things that we're talking about there, uh, where he talks about the seed is the word of God, and so forth, and some of it falls on good ground, some of it falls on stony ground, some of it fa- falls among the thorns and thistles, some falls on uh, by the wayside. Uh, and then he, he goes on and describes all these situations that people have heard the word of God, uh, but some it's taken away from quickly, some it's crowded out by the cares of the world, some it springs up for a little while and bears fruit and quickly fades away, and some bring forth much fruit then, some 
20, 30, 40, 60, whatever the numbers are that are used there, fold from hearing the Word of God. And so, the, so our question is then, as he, as he goes through that, he talks about, you know, the fact, so we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard, but he says, take heed to what you hear. And the reason we ought to take heed to what you hear uh, because you can hear a lot of different things. You can you can hear everything said out there, uh, and we ought to we ought to put a filter on what we hear. Uh, take heed take heed to what you hear. Uh, and he tells us this, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'll turn back over there now to Mark chapter four. We'll come back to the Book of Luke in just a minute. But if we take it, if we think about what he's warning us uh, there, uh, is he says, you know, no man, verse twenty one of Mark chapter four, after he's gone through the parable of the sword and seed, he says, uh, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick, for there's nothing hid. Uh, which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret that it should be should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, and and he's not talking about having natural ears on the side of your head. There, he's talking about if God's given you a spiritual ear to hear, you ought to be using that spiritual ear uh, to hear. And he then he says, take heed what you hear, uh, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And unto you that hear shall more be given. Again, uh, we've talked about this some in times past. And I know Brother Adam's taking some courses on Hebrew and so forth. But there's really no... And this is Greek in the New Testament. You say, yeah, it's Greek to me too. Okay. Uh, but it's... Uh, uh, the, the underlying uh, you know, uh, writing is in Greek. But if we think back to the Hebrew mindset. Because these are Jesus is a Jewish man. We're in, we're in the area of Judea and Jerusalem and Canaan. That we're having Jewish thought here. And so... The thought, part of the thought being trade is is uh, is portrayed here is the fact in 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 Hebrew there's no real word for hearing without doing. In other words, to hear means to do. Uh, and so, uh, and I've talked about this some. You know, we used to pick at our children about because my favorite terminology with them growing up is, "Did you hear me?" Well, uh, of course, they heard me, and I knew they heard me. What I really meant was. Did you get it so that you're going to do it? <laughs> I, I knew they heard me somewhere in the fog of their brain back there that they were, they were hearing these things. And so I think Jesus here is saying, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. So to you that are, it's kind of like, I, I almost like this. Maybe I said this last week or so. Uh, but if we think about the parable uh, over there where it talks about uh, uh, the parable of the talents. It, the, the one that used their talents, more was given to them. Uh, the one, the one that, that didn't use his talent, that buried it in the earth, it was taken away from him. So here he's describing hearing. He says, those of you that use your hearing, more hearing will be given to you. In other words, more responsibility, more doing, more task. And he says, but uh, it'll maybe be taken away from those that don't use it. So we need to take heed what we hear, what we're doing, what we're, what we're following through with that. Now, let's follow over this to, uh, to Luke chapter 11. Uh, because he uh, he gives us another portion of scripture here, and it's it's interesting. Of course, you got you got Mark writing one thing and Luke writing another, and they're relating some of the same stories with some other stuff mixed in around it. And maybe 
Uh, I get the idea, I think sometimes when I go and preach and teach in various places, you know, sometimes I'll use some of the same examples, same lessons in one place that I used in somewhere else. So maybe as Jesus was going about teaching in Samaria and Judea and Jerusalem and other places, and uh, maybe he was using some of the same examples and Luke recorded part of it and Mark recorded a part of another. And anyway, so he comes here in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 11. Uh, and we find here that he's talking about, and we'll just start with verse 29. He says, and the people were gathered thick together. Uh, and, uh, uh, and he says, and began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas, the prophet for as Jonas was, uh, uh, for as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall the son of man be this generation. And the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon's here. Uh, you know, he, began, he begins to bear down on these people that were not paying attention. The Son of God, the Creator, the Messiah, the Savior was here in their midst. And he, and he, and he tells them, he says... There was a time when someone like the Queen of Sheba came from a country, and he says the uttermost parts of the earth. From them, uh, it would have seemed that way, uh, you know, several countries away. She came just to behold, and because she had heard the wisdom of Solomon, she had heard of all the great things that God had blessed him with. And as and as it was told uh, when uh, the comments made in the Old Testament scriptures, and we've got a song along those lines uh, where it talks about the half was not told unto me. Uh, I've heard people say the half was not told, but she says, uh, she didn't say the half was not told. She was saying it wasn't told to me. Uh, and so as we look at this, she say, he, he, uh, Jesus tells us here that in this, this day, the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, she came uh, to, just to hear the wisdom of, of Solomon all those countries away. And here he was among his own people. And he says, and a greater than Solomon's here. They came from a long way away just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Today, we still read the words of Solomon and still read the wisdom that he had. But he says, here you have, you have the, the one greater than Solomon is here. And he says, no man, uh, and he says, and the men, of, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonas. When Jonas came and told him, said, repent. They repented, uh, and he told them, "Repent, or they'd be destroyed." And he said, "And a greater than Jonas is here, greater than Solomon, greater than Jonah. They're not repenting. They're not. They're not even paying attention, maybe, to the words that are being spoken." And he says, "No man, when he hath lighted a candle, put it under the under secret place." I think we've heard this before, right? Uh, back in in Mark, and he says, "No man, when he lighted a candle, uh, put it under in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick." That, that, that they which come in may see the light. And the light of the body, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And when thine eye is evil, thy body is also full of darkness. So now, now he begins to tell us uh, that what we, what we take in, what we view. We're talking about what we've heard. But now he's also talking about what, we, what we're looking on, what we're seeing. He said, when your eye is singular, when it's totally focused on the light, the body's full of light. 
And you'll find you you can you can relate to that. There's been times in all of our lives when for some period of time we were focused on said, I'm gonna read the word of God today, I'm gonna listen to preaching today, I'm gonna listen to gospel singing today, or whatever it might be, and you're and you became singularly focused on these things, and as you did, it made a difference in you and the way you were. Uh, he says, but uh, when the eye, uh, but he also talks about when the light of the body, uh, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when that eye is single, the whole body is full of light. But when that eye is evil, when you're looking out upon the disruption and corruption of this world, thy body is also full of darkness. Now then, take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. <clears throat> Think about this for a minute. We can cover our, you know, he's just giving you the example of, of putting a light under a bushel and not putting it under a bed, putting it in a secret chamber. So the question, I think one of the questions for us today is uh, we need to take heed that our light, the light which God has placed within us through the new birth, uh, through the hearing of the gospel, through the believing of the gospel, through uh, all of these things that we've, that we've talked about here, he says... Uh, be care, take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness, that you don't cover it up, that you don't put a, a bushel over it, that you don't put it under a bed. Uh, there's many times, and I think uh, Brother Adam was talking this morning, you know, about some of the things that we suffer, that we go through. And many times if we learn the things that we can learn from that, uh, we learn that we learn to be more compassionate with somebody that's maybe having another trial or another trouble or another problem. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or some sickness or some disease or whatever else they might be facing, the loss of a job or, uh, or any other multitude of things that we could think about. When, when, we've been, when we've gone through some of those experiences ourselves, it helps us to be more compassionate to them. So do we let our light shine in those instances or do we hold back? And say, well, you know, I, I, I know I don't have any right to say anything in this situation. Or maybe I shouldn't get involved in this or that. But maybe you have just the word that could give somebody a lift in that kind of circumstance or situation. He says, take heed that the, the light which is in thee be not darkness. If the whole body, therefore, is full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining candle doth give thee light. And so uh, he said, put your light, the light that God has given you, put it on a candlestick. We Have we heard something like this before? Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll find over there, as Jesus is talking about, in the Sermon on the Mount, not uh, this time. We'll get the we'll get the right sermon correct. Uh, he tells us there for, uh, after going through those beati- what is commonly called the Beatitudes and the the blessed R's. Uh, he tells us, "Ye are the salt of the earth." And if the salt hath lost his savor, verse thirteen of Matthew five, uh, he says, "Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thence good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men." Ye are the light of the world. We're, God, has, God has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Uh, he's taken us up, picked us up from one place and set us down in another. We've been given the light that, that is given us. Jesus told His disciples here on many occasions. He says, 
I'm the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. Um, and so, uh, yet now he's given us light by giving us the spirit of God, by giving us the word of God. And he tells us then, ye are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. We've heard this story, haven't we? <laughs> Neither do men uh, uh, light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We think about one of the one of the take heeds that we talked to over the last over the last few weeks is uh, take take heed of how we do our alms. Uh, I think, in fact, I know it is. We go over here into the sixth chapter, uh, verse one. He says, "Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them." Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. So your charity and your giving, he says, don't do it to be seen of men. Don't do it to be seen going about bragging about, look what I've done and look what uh, somebody else has done. He says, you do it quietly and you do it and God God sees it and God that sees in, in secret will reward you uh, with the things uh, openly there. Uh, but uh, So you think about this charity, these alms, giving of alms, take heed that you do your alms. Uh, in a private uh, way, in a non-boastful way, I guess you'd call it. And he tells us here, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing this to say he's teaching us some of the same lesson. Uh, uh, again, you know, it's like, okay, repetition uh, for our school teachers. A repetition is the way you learn, right? You just keep telling them. And Jesus is telling them in this case, let your light so sh- shine before men that they may see your good works and give you the glory. No, <laughs> uh, that they may glorify the Father which is in heaven. So you just do it. You do it because God has blessed you to have a light in you, to give a message to someone else, to give encouragement to someone else, uh, and to be that light and to be that salt for them that they need uh, to help uh, be a preservative and a healing factor for them in their lives. Uh, you just do that. And you don't do it so that somebody pats you on the back. Uh, in fact, I, I, here's something for all of us to learn from, including me. You do it, and even if they never say a word, you do it again. And you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again. Because you didn't do it to get praise for it. You did it so that God might get the glory for what you do. And, and it changes your, your charity. It changes your giving. It changes your alms. You didn't do it to get glory, to get honor. You didn't uh, let your light shine so that somebody would go around and, Oh, look how wonderful you are. You just did it. And if God got the glory for it, and maybe you just felt good inside about it, and nobody else knew about it, you're just thankful that you had the ability and the privilege and the opportunity to do what you did. And, and it, and it changed, we, we began to take on a different attitude about the way we go about looking at things and saying, well, <clears throat> they never said a word to me and I'll not do that again. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. <laughs> uh, but we could take on the attitude, you know, I did it. And, and God blessed me with it. I felt good about it. And nobody ever says a word or even recognizes what I did. I'll do it again tomorrow. I'll do it again this afternoon. I'll do it again the next day. Because I'm doing it 
so that I can be a, more, more like the king. You know what? Nobody, uh, <clears throat> when we get right down to the end of it, today we go around talking about our Lord and Savior. We've got all kinds of scriptures written about, written about Him. But I'll tell you, it wasn't exactly like He was glorified as He was letting His light shine. Uh, he was persecuted. He was taken and finally uh, uh, taken captive and, uh, and beaten and put to death because He was letting His light shine. What and is letting his light shine. In some cases, he condemned what other men were doing. In some cases, he went around healing people. Uh, sometimes people knew. Sometimes people didn't know. There's records of people. Uh, there's times when he told them, "said You just go tell the priest. You just go. You just go. You go to the temple and tell them about it." Uh, and man, they'd go and spread the whole word anyway. They couldn't. They couldn't hold it back from letting other people know what the Lord had done for them. So he tells us, "Let's turn over to." Uh, to First John, uh, we could do. Uh, we could go. Uh, I think when we think about not letting our light be darkness. Uh, in other words, don't let it be covered. Don't let it be hid. Don't let your light uh, become a, a darkness in this world. We turn over to First John, uh, chapter one. We'll start there. <clears throat> in First John, chapter one, we find. Uh, uh, these things written down, he says, uh, and I'm just going to read through all of this, but we'll, we'll go as quick as we can. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word, capital W-O-R-D, a word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that, that and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Man, we've seen him, he's been here, he's been revealed to us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. I'm not talking about something I heard about, uh, somebody else told me about, or somebody else said something about. I'm telling you what I, what I heard and what I saw. And he says, <clears throat> that ye, ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his, with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. We want you to know what the best life is here in this old world that you're living, living in. And this, this then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Zero. <laughs> Zero darkness in the things. Uh, and we think about this when Jesus declared over there in the, in the uh, 14th chapter of the book of John. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Uh, and so if we think about this, the truth and light kind of work together, right? Uh, if you've got something that's kind of dim... Uh, and, and let's just say, let's just go into darkness. I was watching the kids running around here earlier. They wasn't in total darkness, uh, but some of them had, they were putting the blankets over their head and putting the quilts over their head and putting, look, and you know, the next thing you know, bam, you know, they run into me or they run into into a bench or they run into something else. They're kind of in darkness because they can't see where they're going. Right, and uh, how many of us? Oh, how many of us have gotten up in the middle of the night? Maybe we're half asleep or whatever. But how many of us have ever been in a dark room, stumped our toe into the bed or something else? You know, and just about knocked the toenail off of it. It makes you cringe, right? And and because you couldn't see where you were going and what you were doing, the light is the opposite of that. 
The light shines out on everything. It kind of reveals what's there. It opens up our eyeballs to all these things. And the light of God's Word reveals what's, what is often hidden out there by the darkness. Today, we're living in a world where uh, the light and the truth of God's Word, as we shine it out, it condemns a lot of things that people are doing today and people are saying and people are teaching. Uh, was, uh, was blessed yesterday morning... Uh, Elder Mike Ivey was at a meeting that I was at yesterday morning at James Creek uh, Church. And Brother Mike Ivey asked this question. Is the church relevant today? And what he was talking about that is relevant. And what he went on talking about is relevant truth. Uh, and, the, and, uh, and the way things are presented today. And relevant truth would say, if everybody believes this is the way it is, it's the truth. Ah. Uh. Now, that's a whole new twist on what the truth is. In other words, if everybody agrees, and y'all can just let your minds roam this morning as to what, what might be going through. If everybody agrees that this is the way it is, then that's the truth. Uh, or you might say relevant truth would say something like this. God is love. Well, that's true. That's, it's, but it's a partial truth. Because that's not all God is. And so if we couch God as just being totally love and nothing else, we've only revealed a part of the light. Only a part of the light is shining out there. And so then we can take that and run with it and begin to teach things that are not true. And things that uh, uh, God loves everybody. Uh, well, that'll just, that'll just fly against some things. God loves, that'll take you down the road of God loves everything that everybody does. Well, <clears throat> I can go back over in the Old Testament. I can show you where the earth opened up and swallowed up some people over there because they rebelled against God's leaders over in the day. And so uh, you need, we need to be careful what type of light we're shining, right? And so he tells us here uh, in First in John, he says, These things we write unto you that your joy may be full. <clears throat> this then is the message which you've heard and we declare to you that God is light and Him is no darkness. And if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Notice he didn't say uh, we lie and say not the truth. We don't do the truth. <laughs> uh, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light... As He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. It's a cleansing factor in our lives, right? It cleanses us and, and helps us to walk a better walk and to set a better example and let us be a true light shining out here in this old dark world. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. There are those out there today that teach that once a man's been born again, he doesn't sin anymore. Well, that's contradictory to First John uh, chapter 1, uh, uh, verse 8. And so uh, we need to be careful what we're teaching and what we're de describing as being the light. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's not talking about here about the same cleansing that he did while he died, when he died upon the cross and he shed his blood and he, he took our sins away. He's talking about a timely confession of sins here in this old world that if we confess our sins, he says he is just, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar because he said 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Uh, so his word is not abiding in you. If you don't know, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ to help me make it through this week. Now then, Lord, help me to be a light set on a candlestick and not hidden in, under a bushel in this old world or hidden under bed. Let my light so shine that, may, that God may get the glory from how I live and what I do here in this old life. So take heed. Uh, that's, we'll, we'll go back to that now. We'll go back to uh, Luke chapter 11. So he tells us there again, and we'll read that again. He says, <clears throat> verse 35, I think. He says, take heed, therefore, take heed therefore that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Don't let your light be darkened down and covered up. Let it shine out so other people can see what our God has done for you. All right, let's turn over. We'll get one more verse and then we'll, we'll close, close for today. We'll tell Brother Ronald, I can tell Brother Ronald not feeling good. And I know somebody else that started coming down with a cold last night by the name of me. And I can feel myself getting up a real good sweat up here this afternoon. Uh, as Maybe I'm working the cold out. Who knows? So uh, in, in Luke chapter 17, he says, It is impossible. Then, then he said unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. We've heard Brother Adam talk about that as he's gone through the book of Matthew. It were, it, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. That's, uh, you know, we talked about this. Uh, for those of you that haven't been to the local grist mill lately and uh, seen what a millstone looks like, usually them babies, depending on the size of the grist mill, they're about this big and they're solid rock, and the, and the hole in the middle is only about yay big, big enough for a shaft to go through the center of it. But we're not talking about some little bitty... We're not talking about a necklace, uh, on a, a small stone. On, it's better than a millstone we're hung about. No, we're talking about a millstone. <laughs> uh, and he says, so as we go around working with God's people, and I think I take this to heart as a minister, uh, as well as each of us ought to take it to heart ourselves also, is that uh, he says it's impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through who they come. So we need to be careful about saying, well, I don't care if I offended them or not in this case. Well, <clears throat> okay, we might need to be a little bit careful about what it is, especially if it's God's children that we're talking about. Uh, <clears throat> so he said, well, they needed to be rebuked. Well, okay, but could you rebuke them in love? Could you do it in a charitable way? Uh, as you do that. And I say the answer is yes. Now, sometimes it takes a little more thought. <laughs> you have to put a little more thinking into it to say, how can I tell this person what they need to know and at the same time be charitable and let them know that, uh, you know what? I'm, I've got my problems. You've got yours. We've all got our, our, our things that we need to be working on. Well, let me see if we can take, take a shot at it. Uh, he says, uh, it's impossible. In other words, people are going to get offended. Today, we live in an offended world, Right? Everybody's offended about something, uh, and if they, they're not, they'll hunt for something to be offended about so they can be the offended generation that we're living in today. But, he said, but he's not talking about that here. It's impossible that offenses, real offenses will come, but woe to him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. And so I always say as we look at that, that means they're fixing to drown <laughs> 
Because <laughs> the, the, uh, the millstone about the neck and being cast into the sea is the unrecoverable event and uh, from, a, from a, a life-living standpoint. And so he says, it's better for them. It's better to die. It's better to, that you had a millstone hung about your neck than you die than to offend one of God's little children. Uh, you know, that's not just the little children, although that's part of it. Uh, we need to be careful around our little children, our grandchildren, our children, children. Uh, but you know what? That's all of God's little children. We need to be careful about offending them. So he says this, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. I think we need to weigh the lesson of how we rebuke him. Uh, but he says rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. <laughs> now that's the one sometimes we that's another one of those areas we need to work on a little bit. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed to how you respond to things. If, if a brother uh, trespasses against you, let him know. Uh, doesn't mean you have to be the meanest person in the world and let him know, but let him know, okay, this is something you've done uh, that's... that's, that's uh, trespassed against me and my if it's just your feelings or your rights, you know, and then I think there's a lot of times we need to examine and say, why did I get offended by that? Because sometimes we might be getting offended about something we shouldn't be getting offended about, but that's a whole other charge of issue. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. I think uh, I think all of us, and I know me, including me. You know, this is one of those areas where we struggle. We struggle with saying, "I actually forgive you," and especially if somebody says, "Well, you know, they did it again. They did, and they did it again, and they did it again, but they kept coming back." I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry if I if I came across the wrong way. Forgive them, move on with life. Don't let bitterness and hatred and envy and anger and all those things consume you and eat up the love that God has in in you. Woe by him who through offenses come. It's better than him, but he says, you know what? They offend you, address it. They come back and say, I'm sorry, I repent. And repentance means they turned away from it. But also they may... Boy, I tell you what, if it's a fleshly thing, if it's an anger thing, if it's a problem that somebody's battling with day by day by day, they're probably going to do it again. And you know what? You address them, they say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And they come back and they repent again and they, they turn from it again. Our job is to say, you know what? I forgive you. You know why? You know, I'll, I'll, say, I'll give you the Charles Kitchen's opinion of why. Do you know how many times we've offended our Lord? And he forgave us. And he forgave us to the fact that he died for us. And if he loved us that much and somebody offends us and they repent of it, then we ought to have a big enough heart to forgive them and move on. Life, the Bible says life is like a vapor. In other words, it's short. It doesn't last long. And life is way too short to stay uh, envious, angry, bitter, uh, unforgiving uh, about the things that may have happened in our lives. And so I think God's, God's Word just gives us wisdom. And don't, uh, don't let your light become darkness. Our light can become darkness when we become bitter and angry and unforgiving 
because we're not showing the spirit that Christ showed. So as we think about that this week, take heed. Take heed to what you hear. Take heed to the things that you have heard. Think about the things you've actually heard from the stand this week and the preaching of God's word and let it sink in and meditate upon it. You know, the thing about this, I've been working on this. Let's see, Tuesday will be 63 years. Yeah. I've been working on this 63 years. Still haven't got it right. Uh, however many more years God gives me, uh, I'll still be working on it. I probably still won't get it right, but I'm still supposed to be working on it. That's our, that's our task. Don't let your light be darkness. May God bless you.